When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Tuesday here, and we got your pro wrestling punditry for your ear holes. It is the Winkly. I am your host, the managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, joined here as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkly. It sounds like you hit a new octave there in your opening. My you voice, broke a little bit at the top. Right? My voice cracked. I may have had <laughs> I may have had too much coffee. I may or may not have interviewed David Starr for 40 minutes this morning to get my day going, uh, as I do not normally do morning interviews, but David is in the UK, and that will run next week. What a or you might be going through puberty. Who knows? Man. Who can say? 34, man. It's about time, is what I'm saying, to be going through pu- puberty. <laughs> 34 um, years old. 34. Uh, well, we got a lot to get to here today. Obviously, some big news broke just this morning. Uh, but before we get to the news of the day, uh, we want to send out our best to former TNA and WCW star Daphne. Uh, she has revealed that she's dealing with a cyst or growth next to her T1. Uh, Daphne's awesome. Uh, and uh, we are we are sending our, our best out to her and her friends and family as they deal with uh, what she's going through at the moment. Also, uh, we wanted to congratulate Dwayne The Rock Johnson on finally, or not finally, I'm doing it again. He's got he got married. He's married Woo! now, twice married. Got yeah. married over the weekend. Congratulations, The Rock. Wow. And you know it's cool, man, because he's still great friends with his ex-wife. You said uh, married again. His ex-wife is his business partner in Seven Bucks Productions. So, guy's got the best of both worlds here, you know. Yeah, They're Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, often married. He's got now. it all, doesn't he? He has it all. He does. Uh, well, we got all we got it all for you here today. Like I said, we also got the news, uh, but we also got some interviews here today. Uh, another interview I got from uh, in Toronto uh, last weekend. Uh, it's going to be airing here today. Finally. WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry. You'll hear from him later on in the show. And right after Mark Henry, you're going to hear from former WCW superstar Ray Glacier Lloyd. Glacier, ladies and gentlemen, most recently seen at AEW's Casino Battle Royal. So uh, lots of great interviews here today. And I want to remind everybody, if you're going to be around this weekend, Sunday night on Wrestling Inc., that's your place to go for our coverage of Ring of Honor's Honor for All. Uh, That show is going to feature the Rock and Roll Express battling the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. That's a sentence I did not think I would be reading in 2019. Mm. Welcome to 2019 Professional Wrestling. Am I right? Yeah, well, what a great lead in there. News you can use. News to leave a bruise. 2019 Pro Wrestling has finally delivered to us the Wednesday Night Wars. WWE, just a few hours ago, confirmed that NXT will debut on USA Wednesday, September 18th. The show will be live. It will be two hours long. It will take place each week from Full Sail University. The Observer is reporting WWE is being paid a minimum of $50 million a year for the show. Vince will not be at the NXT tapings. Uh, He will also not be at Raw. uh, Or Vince is not. He was not at Raw last night, and he is not expected to be at SmackDown tomorrow night. So Vince moving out, new stuff moving in. Uh, What do you think of the press release WWE put out this morning? I think it's fascinating because all this news came out Sunday was when it kind of started rolling and heating up. It seemed like where, yeah, it's happening. I think it was Meltzer who was saying, you know, NXT, people think Fox Sports 1. No, it's actually going to be USA, which was a big surprise to a lot of people, including myself. Uh, my wife and I were coming back and I was sitting there on the road from, from vacation just reading all of this news. It was great. But yeah, they were going to announce it last night and then they didn't, which was shocking to me. So they throw you a press release on a Tuesday morning to get your week kind of keeping going on the right direction here. It's crazy, dude. Listen, I, I get it. NXT on USA, because USA has been such a great partner for WWE with Raw, with SmackDown for so many years now, I get why Vince McMahon thinks this is where he should bring that product. USA is in more households than Fox Sports 1. It's a bigger network name than Fox Sports 1. But it's not what I expected. And to me, um, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about it because I think 
a big deal like this, 50 million a year for NXT, which is right now a WWE network special. It's a big deal. So it's good for NXT to get that money. It's still going to be taking place from full sale. So those fans should be happy with that. But I'm a little bit boned because I thought Fox sports one sounded like a really unique partnership. And I thought it built on what they were doing with this new innovative way to do Fox sports and SmackDown on Friday nights. So I'm a little bit bummed. They're going a different direction than that. Yeah. I I think it's, you know, obviously huge that, you know, we're going to get USA versus TNT again, different night now on Wednesdays. I do wonder a bit about how Fox feels about this decision. I would love to be a fly on the wall on that one, because this means now that you're going to get Monday night raw on Mondays. You're going to get NXT and AEW on Wednesdays. I wonder if there's going to be fatigue for Fridays on SmackDown. That was one of the first things that popped into my mind. Well, what I said to my wife while we were driving, because, of course, when you're on the road for five hours, I'm going to do nothing but talk wrestling when news like this breaks, right? What I told her is I said, this makes SmackDown feel like the C-show almost, right? NXT, because it's on USA and because Vince McMahon and the partnership there are so strong, is two hours now. It makes NXT feel like that is now essentially the B-show and Fox Sports or Fox Friday nights kind of got the shaft here, I feel like. Yeah, well, and it, you know, the last time we saw a major product that was consistently filmed from the same place was uh, TNA back in the day. It used to to just do all of the shows out of one location. Um, sure. And, and the, the reports that came out of that after a while was the same group of fans every week. They almost like became too smart, right? Where they knew they kind of had more control. I wonder, I wonder what it will be like, uh, or how long it will last that NXT remains at Full Sail University. I, I can't see that being the long term option here. Well, especially whenever you hear about just yesterday, all the news kind of coming around with AEW's new touring locations and all that jazz. It seems like AEW is pushing the needle here. You know, we talk about the Wednesday Night Wars coming back. It's no coincidence that they're going up, that NXT is the show that Vince McMahon chose to put up against them. Uh, TV deals being what they are, he's aiming for that same subset of fans that, you know, the overlap with WWE's main audience, not so much. But with the NXT fans, I'm sure there's a heavier overlap with the AEW audience. So no surprise there but yeah if if you know this wednesday night dynamite show from AEW, as i want to keep calling it feels more exciting and fresh every week because it's airing from all these different venues i would expect vince mcmahon they've already you know toured some with their house shows i would expect vince mcmahon and wwe to consider moving out of full sale on a week-to-week basis and this explains why so many great talents have not been moved up from nxt in the past many months you know people have been like why velveteen dream he's been down there forever matt riddle the undisputed era right these talents are now – these are NXT talents that people are familiar with. This roster is like an established roster. I mean, with guys like uh, Ciampa or, or Gargano, Ciampa in the wings there. You know, th- this is a crew that people are familiar with, and I think it's really going to resonate here when they get on USA. I, I'm, I'm, I, think that, I think that NXT and AEW will both do fine. We'll never know exactly, I guess, what AEW would have done independently. We will be able to gauge NXT because we'll have two weeks they're leading in before they go head-to-head with AEW about how well they did versus how well they'll do when AEW hits the, the airwaves. But just a lot of interesting, a lot of moving parts here with this one. Well, these are the guys that you would typically see in Ring of Honor moving to AEW, these kind of indie stars who come to NXT before the main roster. To your point, they're all still down there, right? So you kind of have this real weird parody of uh, a mirrorverse almost, right, where these guys could have been AEW stars, but they're under the WWE umbrella for right now. And so it makes it such an interesting fight between these two brands. Uh, I I think that it definitely is going to help WWE. Now, if they start bringing in some of those main roster, I think WWE sees it as a benefit. I don't think typical NXT fans will see that as a benefit. Also, we're going live on September 18th with NXT, which is only, you know, a few weeks away. Yes, they're getting out ahead of AEW, and I know that Vince McMahon and and WWE sees that as a benefit, but what that means is you get a couple of good weeks of NXT TV, and then fans are still going to be primed to tune in that debut night for AEW. I wish they would have saved it and said, we're going to have NXT go live on Wednesday nights the same night as AEW. That would have been an interesting pairing. I can't wait to see what the cliffhanger is for the NXT before the Wednesday, first Wednesday (laughs) in October. I'm sure they're going to... You're, they're going to have Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels tagging together to take on <laughs> the Undisputed Era in a, right. in a dream Vince match. McMahon dies again. Yeah, whatever. Something big. Uh, well, uh, TNT uh, is also going to get the ball rolling here with AEW very soon. They're going to release a one-hour AEW special uh, on Friday, August 30th, which would be, I guess, next Friday, if I'm doing my numbers correctly here. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we'll get a little taste of the AEW on TNT product here before NXT, so just a note for everybody out there. Uh, and I guess I'll throw in here uh, while we're talking NXT stuff. Uh, WWE has confirmed a spoiler 
coming out of the most recent NXT tapings, and that is that the Undisputed Era defeated the Street Profits for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Of course, the Street Profits were on Raw uh, last night. They did not have the titles with them. The Observer reporting that they are going to remain in NXT as part of the NXT roster despite the title change, but they will also continue to do their vignettes on Raw. I guess there's some kind of cross-promotion there to, uh, you know, maybe you see them make jokes on Raw, then you see them in the ring in NXT. I mean, it's been great for the Street Profits. I think they've added an interesting dynamic to those backstage segments, and they're very relatable, very engaging. So I've liked seeing them on Raw. But if this is what the new era of WWE is, with NXT as that second or third brand, and they're going to use talent like this, I still think it's weird because I want to see these each one of these shows, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, still have unique identities. And when you kind of blur the lines like this, like they have with the wild card rule and everything else, I don't think it means as much for each brand. It just all ends up feeling like WWE light. So I, I, you know, it's odd. I love seeing the street profits out there, but these cross appearances just kind of boggle my mind a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about tag title changes. We had one on raw last night. Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins are now your raw tag team champions. Uh, they, uh, yeah, uh, this is it. You know, good friends, better enemies. Rolling in here, I guess, to uh, to uh, the Clash of the Champions, where I, where I, I get uh, I get the vibe they're going to go heads up, but I, I I don't know what to make of this. Like uh, uh, two big baby faces going against each other at the Clash. It's it's the typical. It is interesting, right? But again, these guys kind of these. Uh, b- friends but enemies frenemies mentality they've done this so many times in the past i think it's interesting how much they put over braun Strowman as being such a good guy last night when he's kind of been towing the line in recent weeks and kind of gone back and forth and so that's strange to me but this this kind of this hey let's take two main event guys and give them the tag team titles man i remember when it was stone cold steve austin and was it undertaker it was undertaker who he won the tag team titles with back in 98 or 99 and, and going into pay-per-view so typical wwe booking I, I don't like it from the perspective of it waters down the tag team division, but it does add that wrinkle to this feud and kind of extends it out a little bit more going into Clash Champions. I'll say this. I also thought Luke Gallows looked great in that main event working with Braun, man. You know, you forget how big and agile Luke Gallows is sometimes till so you get him in a, in a ring with a guy like Braun Strowman. Yeah. Well, and for the club, for the OC, it is good for them to be clashing with main event talent like this because we complained for so long. They've not been elevated. They've not been elevated. Well, here they are in the main event on Raw, and with other main event players. So I do like that aspect. Uh, we got our King of the Ring brackets here uh, come in the, over the weekend. Uh, on Raw, uh, we saw our first two opening round matches. Uh, Samoa Joe defeated Cesaro. Cedric Alexander defeated Sami Zayn. Also from Raw, we're going to get Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Miz, Baron Corbin. And then over on SmackDown, you'll get Owens, Elias, uh, Ali versus Buddy Murphy, Gable versus Benjamin, very interesting pairing, and Apollo Cruz versus Andrade. Now that you've seen the the roster brackets released, um, you get to play that game of mental chess and, and checkers in your head. You know who, who are they going to put over here to to go up against each other? Who's your gut? What's your gut saying here is going to come out on top? You know, I, I almost wonder if we're going to have a Baron Corbin Kevin Owens final. I, I think they're really high on Baron Corbin and using this to catapult him up even further. I agree. But also, Kevin Owens feels like uh, the successor. He feels like 2019's. And I, this belittles him, so I don't like to use this, but I'm going to say it. 2019 Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? And so, to me, Kevin Owens could be the other guy there. But Baron Corbin's not doing anything, and they like to use guys who aren't doing much to do something with this. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And Baron Corbin, new look, no, no longer a vestment. Now he's got like he's got a, a, yeah. a tank top. A fancy wife beater? Is that what that was? Sure. Fancy wife High beater. class? He kind of looked like low-rent Roman Reigns. I was like, oh, it's like the vest <laughs> with no padding. Oh, poor dude. Uh, Future and, King of the Ring right there. Uh, I agree, though. I, 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 I actually pegged the exact same finals. I think it's Owens Corbin here going heads up with everybody ruining Baron Corbin going into Clash of Champions and uh, just, you know. Very behind Kevin Owens, so I think you're right. I think we see. I think we see Owens pick up the victory. Um, Joe looked good last night, though. I did gotta say, they made Joe look solid. Cesaro, unfortunately, not so much. And Cedric Alexander, I liked seeing him get spot, even though it was at the expense of Sami Zayn. Like seeing him spotlighted as well. Uh, the Observer reporting. Uh, also, here's the rumored Clash of the Champions card: Orton Kingston, Becky, Sasha, possibly the Revival versus the New Day. Uh, it's been pitched but not approved, and it's also something we've seen very recently. Reigns versus Brian, Ali versus Nakamura for the IC title. Strowman Rollins, of course, the King of the Ring finals. On paper, I think this—I mean, it looks like it's shaping up to be a pretty strong card. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, the continuation of Wharton Kingston makes sense. You Revival New Day would be great here. Becky Sasha's gaining steam. What I like about this is we had all these, in SummerSlam felt like kind of a thrown together card, but you look at this from top to bottom, and you're like, these feuds, these rivalries, they've been building for a while, they make sense, and I actually think this has the potential to be a sleeper pay-per-view, maybe not of the year, but one of the top cards WWE does this year. Uh, well, WWE confirmed uh, the rumor we t- reported last week, and that is that Roman Reigns has signed a new multi-year deal. So Roman Reigns will be around for the foreseeable future. Uh, they had him against Ziggler last night. They had him against Buddy Murphy last Tuesday on SmackDown. I think they found uh, a secret sauce here with Roman Reigns. I think they found a formula that is actually doing good by Roman Reigns, which is, get this, putting him in the ring with excellent workers, having mm-hmm. competitive matches, and barely pulling out the victory. Yeah, it gives him that underdog appeal that they've tried to go for for so long. But also... They're using Roman Reigns to grow other talent. Imagine that. Now, Dolph Ziggler doesn't need the rub, but he still looked really good to open Monday Night Raw. It's a good spot for him. But Buddy Murphy came out of last week with the loss still smelling like roses. So I, I like the fact that, to your point, Roman Reigns is getting you know some benefit from this, but also other talents are benefiting from his main event spot as true, well. True, true. 100%, 100%. Yeah, it goes both ways here. I think you're right. Dolph and Buddy look stronger here, having taken Roman Reigns the distance. And, you know... This is what Roman Reigns needs to be doing right now. You know, John Cena kind of got caught in that that trap of, you know, the five moves of doom where people really kind of looked past his matches. Well, I thought John Cena did sometimes have very good matches. Mm-hmm. It's nice that Roman Reigns is now picking up some momentum in here as a worker because, I, you know, those the loudest critics are the, the IWC ones here. And it's very difficult to, to have that negativity out there right now when, when the guy's having good matches, you know? Well, and there's a there's a mindset out there, too, that if you are a WWE born and bred worker, that you're not a great worker. And I, that's so wrong. Right. We've seen it with John Cena. When John Cena and AJ Styles tore down the house, they tore down the house. John Cena had great matches with Daniel Bryan and various other guys over Kevin Owens. Right. Some great matches in there. But because he was a WWE worker. So many people discounted what he could do in the ring. And I think the same thing has happened to Roman Reigns over the years. So when you bring some guys in, to your point, who can work, we see those flashes of things that we don't always see from Roman. But also remind you that, you know, WWE style is not the AEW style or the New Japan Pro Wrestling style or the Ring of Honor style. But the WWE style still works and still tells an engaging story in the ring when it's done right. And the guy like Roman is executing on that style the right way. Um, well, uh, somebody who made a lot of noise coming out of SummerSlam was Edge, WWE Hall of Famer, surprising to everybody, delivering that spear to Elias. He commented on uh, the spear he gave to Elias and his future, and he said, to be perfectly honest, and this was from his podcast, to be perfectly honest, I think I could do a match tomorrow, and I might get blown up, but I'd be okay. It's just from what I know with the WWE medical staff, they won't allow it. Does sound uh, a lot like Daniel Bryan, doesn't it? <laughs> It seems like, well, and they also mentioned he, he talked about doing some stem cell therapy, which might could help his, his case as well. So there have been medical advances to get him closer to that edge. But yeah, a lot like Daniel Bryan here. You can tell Edge, he's found some success in Hollywood and doing the acting gig, but he's still got that itch. And you always hear him talk about it, if you notice, after he's made one of these appearances like he did last Sunday, after he gets that rush from his music hitting and him going out to the to the ring and doing his thing, he always comes back and talks about kind of missing that moment. So He's what, 42, 43 right now? Yeah, dude, he could, if he can get cleared, there's at least two, maybe three years of, of very good main event Edge content on the horizon there. You know, Edge Daniel Bryan uh, immediately comes to mind. Edge Samoa Joe would be yeah. great. You know, there's so many great opponents right now because he kind of sat out one wave there, you know, from when he retired to where we are now. Yep. It, it would be incredible to see him in that. If, 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 if he can get cleared to do it, it would be incredible to see him in the mix right now. Edge Seth Rollins would be huh. amazing. Awesome. Edge Kevin Owens would be amazing. Yeah. So. Edge is one of my all-time favorites. He's a guy that when I was younger, I saw him come into WWE and kind of followed his career all the way up. So I always it always makes my heart warm to hear him tease coming back because, dude, when he retired, I cried like a baby. Yeah. Uh, Kalisto tweeted out that in 10 months – he will be a free agent. <laughs> he has since deleted that tweet. Grand Metalik said, I will also be a free agent, to which Braun responded to both of them by saying, adios. So, <laughs> you know, the Lucha House Party hasn't been used as anything more than a backdrop, even since their inception here. Uh, I would not be shocked at all to see these guys walk and try their luck elsewhere, especially with the name brand that they have. I mean, Mexico is is really hot right now. The whole business is hot right now. I think that... If they can get free of their contracts, there's places that they will happily land. 
And it's felt like for a while, right? If your name isn't Rey Mysterio and you have that Lucha background, you're not going to be a main eventer in WWE. You're going to be kind of used as a sideshow act. And that's unfortunate because these guys have a lot to offer. So don't blame them. Although I do think 10 months out feels a little bit premature, right? I don't know. 10 months. Wow, how long was it till from from Moxley, where he was like, "I'm counting down the days now." I've looked at yeah, the calendar. Yeah, but it's John Moxley. It's not Kalis. No offense, Kalisto's great, but he doesn't have the name cachet stateside that John Moxley does. Yeah. More more talent speaking out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Setting setting the stage for contract negotiations. So would be my guess. Uh, the Undertaker WWE has announced his return to WWE TV. Will be on September 10th. Uh, it's a SmackDown Live from Madison Square Garden. The first time the Undertaker's ever appeared, I guess, on SmackDown Live from. Madison Square Garden uh, should be big. So I'm very interested to see what they do at MSG. Uh, take got, time, got to take back the turf, Mike. Yeah, they've not sold out yet, have they? I don't know. I haven't looked. They're, they're trying. Okay. It's a tough <laughs> video to sell out these days, apparently. Um, please come see us, please. MVP visited a WWE live super show event last week backstage in Houston. Went and saw friends. Another name where I was like, man, MVP? I'd be willing to give it a go. I'd love to see what a refreshed MVP looks like in the WWE roster. Well, he's still been doing some wrestling, you know, and, and elsewhere. I saw him last year at WrestleCade. Dude still looks good. He's still got his signature moves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bray Wyatt news here. The Fiend, his theme song, uh, the hardcore punk band. Uh, it's done by the hardcore punk band Code Orange. Well, it has found success in the world of music. It is number two on the iTunes, or was number two, at least this is as of last Thursday when the post went up. Number two on the iTunes soundtrack songs chart. Uh, it also listed number 26 on the top 200 songs, top 200 songs chart. Number 26, the new Firefly song from, from Bray Wyatt. It also ranked number 29 on Amazon's bestsellers and albums chart and number 48 on the bestsellers in songs chart. Uh, also, uh, PW Stream and Brad Shepard, uh, a source that we don't usually mm. or ever reference here on the mm. show, uh, they had reported out that the, the Fiend was being, or Bray Wyatt was being told to tone down the Fiend to make it more friend- family-friendly, Wyatt responded directly to that uh, article from that site by saying, stop spreading this propaganda and fire your informants. I mean, when you pay for sources, or you offer to pay for sources as a journalist, right? I mean, people will tell you to not have spread propaganda. Huh. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. Uh, well, again, just, just, <laughs> just a, another sign of how popular this Bray Wyatt fiend character is right yeah. now. Of course, we saw him come back on Raw last night, uh, laid out Jerry Lawler. Lawler... Apparently has been watching the product because he knew when it was going down that it was time to get out of the ring. Uh, but nonetheless, got attacked. I thought this all played out really well. I mean, home home run after home run with this guy. Dude, and you know what? He has a creepy character, and I, I, I loved the decapitated head that we saw last week on SummerSlam. But I also wonder how much do you use that moving forward whenever your main product. Remember, SummerSlam was TV 14. Week to week, they're still TV PG, if I'm correct. So decapitated heads do not always work on weekly TV. So it, it's interesting, but yeah, they're using him the right way. Last night, it was a great way to get fans to tune in, right? Oh, we're going to interview Sasha and follow up on last week's story. So you tune in to see that because it's continuing something you're already interested in, and you use that moment to bring back bring back Bray Wyatt. Say that five times fast. So really smart booking there, and Bray Wyatt still has that mystery, that aura about him. I love it. I love what they're doing with him. Had a little bit of a Twitter back and forth between two uh, interesting characters uh, over the weekend. Chuck Taylor, AEW's Chuck Taylor, and uh, WWE. WWE. Is he a Hall of Famer? Is Batista a Hall of Famer? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think so. Uh, Well, anyway, Chuck Taylor tweeted out, I went to Ribeiro with goddamn Okada, and they didn't give me one of those coats. That place can suck one. (laughs) Of course, the Ribeiro Steakhouse, known for giving their jackets. Uh, big, Big thing for wrestlers. Batista responded, my friend, I offer this advice in complete sincerity. Delete this tweet immediately. Our history and tradition with that place is something that's beyond your years. I'm asking you not to disrespect that over a jacket you didn't receive. Batista, laying down the law. It's wrestling in 2019, right? The theme of today's episode, today's podcast is it's old versus new, how how things are changing. And yet some, you know, do you respect tradition? You can be on the Jim Cornette side of things or you can be on the Chuck Taylor side of things here. And, um, you know, I prefer the middle ground. But, yeah, fascinating here to see a new guy kind of publicly crapping on one of pro wrestling's institutions, um, Ribera there, Ribera Steakhouse. It's, it's legendary. So it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, Batista respects the business and I don't, I don't blame him for responding, you know? 
Uh, WWE co-president Michelle Wilson sold 158,134 shares of her WWE stock last week. The shares, which amounted to 79% of her stake in the company, were sold at $69.30 a piece. That comes out to $10,958,686.20. Uh, Bloomberg is reporting that even though she sold that large quantity of stocks, uh, she did not sell enough. Uh, to eliminate herself from enough equity in the company to hold an officer title. She retained just enough to do that, uh, and they said that the stocks that she sold were for personal reason. Not a bad day at the bank. Nearly $11 million there. That's right, kids. You want to grow up and make something of yourselves? Be a co-president of WWE. What is going on with all the execs selling their their WWE stock? Like, I would imagine, I would imagine, like, right now with the DNXT news. Here, let's find out. Is WWE stock up? I yeah, I think it went up a few points yesterday. It was up to about 73, 74. Let's see here. I can I can look up WWE stock yeah. on the internet. 74. Right this very second, 74, 98. Oh. So oh. she sold it at 69, 30. Uh, it had dropped down. I am surprised, especially with the advent of Fox here within the next month or so, because to me, that's a sign that WWE stock will go back up. Remember, it went up to 90 earlier this year uh, or somewhere in that neighborhood. So I, I think it would hold on to it, but there's also – this is an element of volatility right now in the WWE world. They're adding new shows. They're changing people's positions. You know, Michelle Wilson maybe just wants to capitalize while she's still there, and, and you, again, personal reasons. I want to make some money, so I'm secure and not to worry about anything. Yeah, I'm um, looking here. Yeah, it was down at to about 72.16 earlier today. It is now at 74 and almost $75. So it is up almost $2 here at the moment. Uh, yeah. Wow, and it over peaked $2. At, it peaked at 99.25, just under 100 earlier this year, back in April. A lot of good news for WWE today. Um, But that's the thing is, like, if the stock's going up, why sell it anyway? I don't know. Personal uh, reasons, Nick. Personal. Don't ask questions. $11 million. Buying a house, I guess. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that AEW has signed Tony Schiavone. Now, there was a bit of back and forth here when Schiavone appeared in the uh, Global Control Center or whatever for, for AEW. Uh, MLW saying that they had no knowledge of this. They have a contract with Tony. I guess that's all been resolved. Schiavone is going to be able to continue his color commentary duties with MLW, where he is still signed uh, to a two-year deal. Now, I believe he, he might be into the second year of that deal. I don't know when it's coming up. But now that Schiavone is under the umbrella... Is it? It's crazy to think we could get Shivani and Jim Ross in the commentary booth, probably alongside Excalibur here when AEW launches on TNT. Man, dude, AEW is making all the right hires to kind of tease that we're not WCW, but we want to bring in some of that feel of what WCW was in the earlier days. Tony Shivani, great, 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 all time great here. Putting him with Jim Ross is an interesting pick. I like Excalibur in the booth as well. You know, I. They're doing a lot of good. They're releasing the right information, making the right hires, getting people excited the right way about what this product is. And and I'm going to go into what other people have kind of been circling here with this Wednesday Night Wars. The moves AEW are making do not feel reactionary. They feel planful. They feel intentional. And they feel like they're all designed to do something different and move the needle towards making AEW something special. Whereas I'm going to go to this NXT deal that feels very reactionary on WWE's part. So, again, another great hire here in AEW, making moves, baby. LAX seems to be making a move here. They have uh, released the following statement. Uh, Last night we wrestled our final match with Impact Wrestling. Our appreciation and gratitude for every single person there who had a hand in helping us get to this point is absolutely endless. Thank you for the opportunity to show the world our passion and commitment for this business, and most of all for the opportunity to represent our people and culture on a big stage. We are forever grateful now uh this uh after reports there had been a report about a month ago that lax had had already finished up with impact wrestling uh i had gotten conflicting reports myself on that of course uh santana is down with injury ortiz wrestled on the last set of tapings i believe he tagged with daga so uh th- this is it now lax officially free and clear and uh where do you think they land where what's your prediction for lax I mean, they're free and clear, so maybe, you know, here in a couple of weeks, they're going to be making their debut as a surprise tag team partner for uh, somebody else who works for a company called AEW. You thinking they're going to be Jericho's (laughs) mystery partners? You know, we've talked about this before on the podcast. This could be a great pick, right? But also, sometimes you wonder, does AEW want a bigger splash? What would that be? I don't Who would that be? I'm not sure. So I'm leaning towards, with the timing of this announcement, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's LAX. I wonder if they can use the LAX name because like that's an impact property, I would think. Like Conan had LAX before, and then these guys were like the new wave of LAX. I wonder if they could call right. themselves LAX beyond this. Maybe maybe not, but you would come up with some kind of knockoff name that evokes the same feelings, you the, know. The Mexicools. <laughs> yeah. 
there you go. Done. Lucha House Party. <laughs> uh, Santino Morella has been announced for GCW's Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2. Very cool announcement. Man, Santino is back in a big way. He's wrestling. This is going to be a very physical uh, contest. He hears whoever he goes up against here, uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, due to the nature of it. Uh, I like new badass Santino. This is awesome. You know, and it, he's doing, he's not just in a new way, but it's like an entirely different kind of persona. It, he's shedding what he was before. And Santino, he's got some experience. His, I mean, his background is what? In uh, some kind of... Jiu-Jitsu, I believe. Jiu-Jitsu, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was that or Muay Thai, but yeah. Background in Jiu-Jitsu, he is a trained fighter. I like him doing stuff like this to shed his old uh, image and, and do something fresh. I would love to see Santino, badass Santino, pop up in one of the major promotions. It'll never be WWE, but maybe pop up in AEW with this kind of persona and see what the fan reaction is. Rowdy Roddy Piper's daughter, Teal, has signed with WOW Women of Wrestling, which uh, we come back with their second season on Access TV here very soon. Uh, Teal also was announced for the upcoming AEW Casino Battle Royal, so making a splash here in a big way with, with two promotions. Uh, my only question is, is she going to take the jacket away from Ronda Rousey, right? It seems like it should be hers if she's going to be filling the boots of her dad. <laughs> You know, you you wonder one day if she pops. I mean, I'm sure she will use something like that to evoke feelings of her dad. But maybe in the future, a WWE feud with Ronda Rousey revolving the jacket could be quite interesting. You know, there's a Roddy Piper, Ric Flair episode of Celebrity Wife Swap. Yes, I have seen that. It's it's the strangest thing in the world. I loved it. I was watching. I was like, I watched it the other day and I was like, Roddy Piper is, is a saint. I love this man. Uh, he's, he's a good dude. I mean, movie actor, you know, they live classic role. Good dude. But yeah, that's that's a strange episode of Wife Swap. And the fact that somebody came up with that, pitched it, and it was accepted by all parties is fascinating to me. My guest at this time is a former WWE World Champion. He is a Hall of Famer. It is the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time today. Man, we're kind of cuddling on the couch. Yeah, I mean, you're sexual chocolate. This is how I'm supposed you to know what I'm saying? It's just a little sexual chocolate. Everybody need a little sexual chocolate in their life. Uh, you know, you did come back briefly there at the Greatest Royal Rumble. You know, if you came back, you know, maybe for one more match, could we could we see sexual chocolate, Mark Henry? No. no. I, I Listen, I told you, if anybody hits me, I'm calling the police. Okay, got it. No more wrestling. No, no more wrestling. I, it's a lot of hugging, a lot of shaking hands and kissing babies. Now, that's the thing is you did the show at, uh, you know, the Greatest Royal Rumble. There's a lot of money being thrown around for those shows. If they came to you and they said, Mark, we need a marquee name. We want somebody over there that, you know, they love these guys coming out of retirement. Could you be persuaded to go over there and do a big match? I, I would say no. But my wife would say yes. They start throwing a little money around. You know, we got to get, get them bills paid. <laughs> uh, now, we are here. It's Busted Open Radio. Yeah. I, uh, I talked to your co-host, Dave LaGreca, earlier this week. And uh, I know that you were at the AEW Media Scrums. I was in the Media Scrums. This isn't just like a hobby for you. He was telling me that you studied to be a journalist. Is that true? Yes, it is. I, I, I definitely love it. I like people having information and understanding. And that's, that's ultimately what we want as fans yeah. and, and as people. You want to be informed. You want to know what's going on. You want it from a reliable source, somebody that talked to the person or talked to a representative of the person. Yeah. And, and that's what I do. I try to use my contacts to reach out and get the proper information. And you do a great job, man. You know, it's so cool to see you in those scrums because I noticed that when you ask questions to the talent, they kind of stand up a little straighter, right? They take you a little bit more seriously than, like, I don't know, Jamoke Nick Hausman here. So, like, what's it like for you to be in those scrums and talking to, like, people you've known for years but now on a media level? Well, it's, it's really conversational. They, they look at you as a peer and somebody that actually knows what they're going through and have an understanding of where the question is focused. Yeah. It's, it's coming from a good place. And a lot of times the media, uh, including me, will try to elicit emotion out of somebody. And I don't usually do that with other wrestlers. I, I want to give them a proper um, channel to be able to vent as well as give the information that they want to relate to the fan. You know, I was uh, really interested. I thought the moment of the Double or Nothing scrums was really the interaction you had with Cody. You asked him about the diversity in AEW. Why was that the question you wanted to ask Cody Rhodes in that moment? Because I know Cody really well. And I know the directive of their company, 
And that was something that they harped on, and I wanted to know and let the fans hear from him how he felt about it, and, and they got it. Yeah. Uh, now, I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I'm from Houston, Texas. You're, right. you're, you're from Houston, Texas. I'm from Silsby. Silsby, well, Silsby. Silsby is about, about an hour and a half away from Houston. I'm actually from the Woodlands, so I'm not like. Okay, so you, you're technically up north. Yeah, I'm up north, yeah. I'm of the area of Houston, like you. Now, Sur surrounding areas. Yeah, now I used to go to the Houston Summit when I was a kid. It's not the Summit anymore. Now I think it's like a mega church, isn't it? Yeah, I uh, uh, guess, uh, what's, the, what's the pastor? I think Joel Olstead. Joel Olstead, yeah, he, he's, the, he's the pastor there, and. You know, it's an unbelievable stadium for a church. Yeah, it, well, it is. It's a stadium. You know, it's the old Houston Summit. And I have this one memory of you from the Houston Summit, and it was, it had to be 96. You debuted in 96, right? Uh, I did. I did. Yeah, okay. Now, I just want to ask you about it, because when I was a kid, I saw you there. You did an in-ring interview with Jerry Lawler, and I believe Mankind came out and, like, had a casket with Paul Bearer, and you, like, World Strongest slammed him. And then, like, a week or two later, I think you made your TV debut. I just want to know, do you even recall what it is that I'm talking about? You know what? I was a fan, so I, I knew everything that was going on in that show. Okay. And it was pretty easy for me to react, but I, I had no clue what the hell I was doing in there. Okay. I was so dangerous, man. I was a bag of, I was a bag of hammers and pliers, man. Yeah. Oh, you get hurt. Uh, well, you were you were you started with 24 in WWE, right? And then you did you have any pro wrestling experience before coming in? No, I had no experience whatsoever. I was just a fan, yeah. and uh, Vince McMahon saw me mention uh, that I was a fan, and and they came after me, and uh, I'm I'm really glad he did. Yeah, well, you know, WWE's you're obviously in the recruitment department now. They bring in a lot of you know independent wrestlers, but there's some guys like you were that are just like green, you know, that have no background there. Do you do? Well, it's more wrestlers have to be extroverts. You have to transcend whatever sport you're in. Like Bianca Belair. Okay. I saw her in, in CrossFit. She wore bright colors and tutus and bows. And when she talked, she spoke with eloquence and, like, excitement. Yeah. And that's what a wrestler is. Yeah. And you, if you don't, if you see those people and they're unbelievably athletic and it's Taylor made. Yeah. Go get them. Say, hey, look, you need to make the transition. Well, hey, I just got the signal from get the, wrap, get the wrap up. I got this. So we have to end it there. But, Mark, I could talk to you for another hour. I hope to get some more time with you down the road. Uh, best of luck tonight with the show. And anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up. Please go out, get Sirius XM Satellite, tune in to Channel 156 and listen to Busted Open Radio. Dave LaGreca, Mark Henry, Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray. Do the right thing, guys. Enjoy the world of wrestling through radio. My guest at this time is a former WCW superstar and has competed for AEW. He recently participated in the comedy event Tall Tales inside the historic Old City, uh, Old City Jail of Hampton, Georgia, now known as Jailhouse Brewing Company, and a joint effort to raise awareness for Operation Lunchbox's mission to feed hungry students in the local community. It is Ray Lloyd, a.k.a. Glacier. Ray, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, thank you, Nick. Yeah, good to talk to you again, man. Yeah, well, this is pretty cool here. I like uh, the work that uh, Tall Tales does here, Tim Gonzalez does. How did you get involved with these guys in the Tall Tales projects? Uh, you know what? Uh, I agree. Uh, Tim and those guys do a great job with this uh, this, this event. Um, yeah, a good friend of mine from my WCW days, uh, Johnny Swinger, uh, who's been all over the wrestling world, WCW, uh, uh, TNA, ECW, WWE, and uh, he, he still lives in Atlanta. We've been friends forever. He contacted me actually a couple months ago when I think we were first kind of getting things going. And uh, and uh, I know uh, Buff Bagwell had been a guest yeah. and Raven had been a guest. And he asked me, um, uh, you know, what I'd be interested in doing. And once he explained it, I said, well, heck, yeah. I mean, to sit around and talk about wrestling. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so it, uh, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, great crowd, great atmosphere. I mean, Tim did an amazing job of uh, just uh, organizing everything uh, and for a good cause, a great cause for Project Lunchbox. And, uh, and, and we had, like, uh, I think it was four or five comedians that kind of warmed the crowd up. So by the time we got up there, they were really primed and ready. And uh, we shared some good old-fashioned wrestling stories with them. Well, tell me a little bit about that. Since you've already done it, you know, what kind of stories did you get to tell to the crowd that you, uh, that you enjoyed recalling the most? 
<laughs> you know, um, one of the, one of my favorite stories I tell all the time is like when I was I broke in in April of '87, right after I finished playing college ball down in uh, Valdosta, Georgia, at Valdosta State University, and I broke into wrestling. I was kind of making my my way through the independent scene uh, in the south, well, throughout Georgia, mostly south and mid Georgia. Um, I had some great friends in Atlanta, and one of my uh, very best friends still to this day, Chips. Uh, I was in Atlanta visiting him. And this was in the summer of 88. Uh, so it wasn't, it was barely, I was barely a year and a half into the business. And um, I uh, go into a local sports bar to meet up with my, my friend for dinner. And I was waiting on him. And, uh, and thank God he was running a little bit late. Uh, because what happened was, in walks, uh, two of, I had two childhood heroes. Of course, my parents, I had great parents. They were my heroes. But uh, uh, outside of my parents, my two childhood heroes were American Dream Dusty Rhodes which is no surprise if you're a child of the 70s and you watch wrestling. But uh, also if you're a child of the 70s, uh, you, you probably couldn't have helped but, uh, you know, at least notice. And if you're like me, been a, been a big fan of Evil Knievel. And so I'm sitting in this sports bar called Timothy John's, which actually is still a sports bar in Atlanta. It's just called TJ's now, and it's a different location. Uh, and in walks, it was on a Tuesday night, I believe. There's hardly no one in there. And in walks Evil Knievel. What? And he walks in, Evil Knievel walks in, and, and just thank God, it was like, it was almost like he could hear me calling him over. He comes and sits at the bar with, with one seat in between us. And I go on to tell the story about, for like an hour and a half, I ended up speaking to my, my childhood hero. And, and in the process of that, you know, I got some really good advice on, because I was trying to decide, should I move to Atlanta to, to the big city to pursue, you know, my wrestling dream? And, uh, and you know, like a scene out of a movie, my childhood hero sits there and sits down and gives me a lot of great advice about chasing my dream and why I should do it. And not long after that, I moved to Atlanta and uh, to, to pursue my wrestling dream. And then a few years later, everything worked out pretty good. That's insane. Wow, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Man, uh, well, you know, you get to go up there and tell these stories now. How different is it for you to be in that environment playing to a crowd on, like, a comedy stage as opposed to when you get to go into a, a wrestling ring and perform like that? Well, there's two things. One, it's a whole lot less painful to be up on that stage <laughs> telling stories <laughs> than it is to be thrown around in the ring. But, uh, but ironically, and it's funny, I just talked to Raven about this a few days ago, and he said the same thing. Ironically... Uh, even though I'm very, very uncomfortable going out in front of a wrestling crowd, I, I was, and, and we had a nice, um, uh, quaint little, uh, lively crowd at the, the jailhouse brewery. And, uh, but, uh, man, I was, you know, I, I was, I was kind of nervous, you know, <laughs> because it was a little bit of me stepping outside my comfort zone and doing something I normally don't do. And, you know, I think we all like to think we can tell great stories, but, uh, that was, uh, I was put to the test <laughs> to make sure I could tell them. And thank God, I think I told them pretty good. Yeah. So I got a couple good reactions. What, you know, you do a lot of like signings and events and things like that. What, what kind of stories do you find that, that fans want to hear the most from you? What do you, what do you think that fans are most interested in hearing about? Uh, you know what? Uh, everyone that I run into, no, no, no one ever seems to get tired of hearing any Dusty Rhodes stories, you know. And because uh, you know Dusty was such a larger than life character, and and, and uh, you know anybody that knows my story knows that uh, like like Dallas, uh, Dallas has been like a big brother to me and like a mentor to me, and still is. As a matter of fact, I'm meeting up with Dallas uh, uh, here today in just a little bit uh, after we finish this interview. But uh, uh, but but Dusty was a mentor to both me and Dallas and to a lot of people. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's always stories I tell them about how, how, you know, how great, you know, you people hear Dusty as a performer and, and, and a wrestler and, and one of the biggest names in the industry. But he was also, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, just a sentimental, kind, you know, good old soul, you know. He was an unreal cowboy from Austin, Texas, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I got to know the person, Dusty Rhodes. And it, it seems to me that people always seem to really like to hear stories about you know, the, the guy behind the, the, the brand of, of, of Dusty Rhodes. And, and I love sharing stories about that because he meant so much to me as a person and as a, as a mentor. But um, uh, I was so thankful I got to know the person, and, and I really enjoy sharing those stories with people. Yeah, tell me a little bit about how you and Dusty, you know, got to know each other and how you met. You know, for the fans that are listening right now that don't know about the connection, like how, how did you and Dusty, oh, yeah. yeah, how did you and Dusty hit it off so well? 
You know what? Once again, you know, uh, it, most people that have heard my story know that uh, that Dallas went to bat for me with Eric Bischoff back in the day, and right. uh, and got me a meeting, and, and that started the ball rolling on what would become the whole Glacier thing. But uh, so I have you know, one of my favorite things in the world is it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who's willing to say they know you, <laughs> who's willing to put their name and reputation on the line for you, you know, and that's uh, you know, and sometimes that's asking a lot of somebody, and, and most people uh, they they guard that pretty carefully, you know, especially if it's a, a big, you know. Uh, thing to do like like what dallas did for me which is go out on a limb for bishop and with bishop for me uh but uh you know and, and the funny thing is is when i was in wcw dusty was there too uh he was working behind the scenes and uh i never really got to know him that well because i was i was like everybody else i was i was in awe of him and i was kind of intimidated by him you know which is dusty Rhodes. <laughs> so uh we never really got to, to i never got to know him that well uh, which is my fault, because I think if I would have approached him, obviously I would have seen that he was a very approachable person. Uh, but once I started, I did the, I broke away from Glacier for a little while and did the Coach Bud Stern angle. Yeah. Uh, and that gimmick, he actually was uh, put in charge of, of shooting and producing all the videos that we did for that. So that's when I first started to really get to know him. And uh, But even then, I didn't get to know him on a level like that I wanted to, really. You know, I still was kind of, like I said, in awe of it. Um, and in 2000, when he left and started, he left WCW and started his own company, which was uh, Turnbuckle Entertainment, and, and in that was Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. Um, he was um, asking around; he wanted to bring on somebody to, as he would say, to become his lieutenant, his right hand guy, to kind of oversee uh, the locker room when he ran shows, to run his uh, wrestling school, and all that. And uh, I was still on the contract with WCW, but he went to Dallas and he asked Dallas, and, and once again, Dallas recommended me. And, um, and so, uh, I never forget, you know, I was drive, pulling in my driveway and I get this call from a number I didn't recognize and I answered it. And, and, uh, and even though I knew Dusty kind of at that point, he still started to call off with, uh, Raymond Lloyd, this is the American dream, Dusty Rose. I need to talk. I'm starting my own wrestling company. I want to talk to you. <laughs> and I, and we started talking about the dream. I said, you know, man, I'm in awe. I said, but you know, I was still under contract with WCW. And he said, well, you know, and he explained what he wanted me to do kind of more like a more of a part-time basis at first, you know, cause he was just getting started. And, um, and basically he went to Eric. Once I said, I'd love to do that. He went to Eric, talked it out with Eric and Eric said, look, as long as, as long as he doesn't interfere with what he's doing with us, you know, in his spare time, he can do whatever he wants. So that's what we did in the beginning is during my spare time, I started to kind of work and be mentored by, by Dusty as I was finishing up my, we were all finishing up our, our tour with WCW around you know, 2000 and 2001. <laughs> but, but that's kind of how I got started. Man. And, and now, of course, you know, you're, you're working a bit with Cody here with AEW. How does Kofi or not Kofi, Cody, how does Cody compare to his dad? Like, you know, what are similarities or differences you notice between the two? Well, you know what? The great thing is I've known Cody since he was, uh, you know, since he was, you know, young teenager. Um, uh, Cody's, a lot of people know the history of, of Cody as an amateur athlete. He was a great high school um, wrestler, two-time state champion. Uh, he was, he went to Lasseter High School, which was the same uh, area which I live. And, and a lot of people know I used to be a school teacher before I got into wrestling full-time. And, um, and actually, uh, once WCW got bought out, uh, I had I turned down an opportunity for WWE, which was just a, a modest offer they had made me. Well, I'm not saying I turned down any great deal, but uh, but the main reason I turned it down was because my best one of my best buddies, Steve Day, who was was Cody's wrestling coach, offered me a position to come back into teaching at the high school. And at that time, as I, as I just had kind of explained with Dusty Tartan Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling, that actually was a deal that I wanted more than than I, I didn't want to. I'd been on the road so much for five years. I was looking for a little bit of a break. So I took the teaching job and the security of the teaching job, and but I was still able to work with my childhood hero. And through that, uh, I got to know Cody more and more because, like I said, one of my best buddies was a wrestling coach. And um, and then my other best buddy, uh, Luther Biggs, who went to uh, WCW, went to the power plant, was Cody's uh, freshman football coach. So we all just, you know, all the world, and he was wrestling with turnbuckles. So we all our worlds kind of came together. And so you know, I've seen Cody grow up from, a, you know, from around a you know, 15-year-old kid to, to the professional, uh, you know, grown man he is today. Uh, and, he's, you know, he's a great businessman. He's obviously a great professional wrestler. Um, and you know, as this AEW thing started to develop, uh, obviously, you know, I was talking, talking with you cause me, him and Dallas, uh, you know, we still talk an awful lot. And, uh, uh, and anybody that watched, uh, all in you know, back last September, you know, uh, I was just honored beyond belief when he contacted me and, and basically told me, you know, that, um, that, that my, his dad, you know, my, my, you know, mentor, Dusty Rose considered me what he would say, one of the digits, you know, he said he had, you know, five close friends and sometimes less than five. And he considered me and Dallas and Tommy Dreamer, you know, three of the digits. And so, you know, that was something that was really, really huge to me. And it really brought me and Cody back 
because you know Cody wasn't living in Atlanta really before then, and so once you moved back to Atlanta, we were able to to really spend some more time together. And then um, you know uh, I have my wrestling school here in Atlanta with my business partner Mike Chulari. Yeah. Uh, it's called the One Fall Power Factory, and um, and and uh, Mike's wrestling name was QT Marshall, which most people know him as that. Uh, and and Mike is now a producer with AEW, and uh, and Brandy uh, trains at our school. Cody trains there when he needs to come in and you know and to train for a certain match or whatever. He comes in or just to stay sharp. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we, you know, the, the nightmare family has kind of come back together, so to speak here in Atlanta. And, um, and I'm just, I'm thrilled to death. I'm, I'm so happy for him. I just, I was over at their house this past Sunday. I filmed an episode. Uh, Brandy has a great YouTube show called a uh, shot of Brandy. It's a cooking show that she does. And I was her guest on that show. And, you know, I told her, I said, I, I don't know much about cooking, but my specialty is eating. So if you cook it, I'll eat it. <laughs> so that worked out good too. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm and, uh, you know, people ask me all the time, like what, what's my future with AEW? And right now my future is nothing official. Um, I, I'm just here to support Brandy and Cody and, 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 uh, the AEW, uh, because I think they're going to do some great things. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, I, I've been around this business for 32 years. I've seen a lot of stuff come and go. Um, and, and I see them breaking new ground, uh, and really connecting on a level with fans that has never been done before. And I think that's their secret weapon is the way that they are approaching their connection to the fans. And so I'm really excited to see what, uh, what's coming down the pike as far as TV in October and, and just, just, you know, personally and professionally what, what they have in store, um, you know, for the fans and for, you know, for the wrestling industry as a whole. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, just to go back on something you said uh, briefly about how you were offered a WWE contract there around 2000. Were they going to talk to you yeah. about it? Was, was the, was the idea to bring you in as Glacier to WWE or would you be doing something different? No, ironically, um, I, and the funny thing is, uh, you know, I've gotten to just the last two years to really get to know Kevin Kelly. And Kevin Kelly was uh, was working in the office at the time, and and I think Kevin is still now doing commentary for, for New Japan. But, uh, um, and uh, they contacted me, and actually, on the advice of Terry Taylor, who's been a great friend of mine forever, and uh, most anybody knows wrestling knows Terry Taylor, and uh, he is now, you know, one of the head coaches down at the uh, Performance Center for WWE. Yeah. And at this time, he was with them. Um, or he was actually with WCW, and uh, and so they wanted me uh, when they we were bought out. They um, wanted me to. I was corresponding with Kevin Kelly, and they wanted me to um, uh, to send a tape. You know, and so so uh, I, I consulted Terry Taylor about what I should put together. And back then, it was still VHS tapes, you know. And uh, and and he came up with a great idea. He said, I said, I, what I would do is, if I were you, I would I would pitch. I would you know, as Coach Buzz Stern, I would pitch. Ray Lloyd in a highlight reel of, of, as Glacier. And, uh, and he said, just show him some versatility. And I did that. And I remember when Kevin Kelly called me, he said, uh, he said, Hey, he says, uh, you know, that, that video was really good. He says, was that you in the beginning? You know, it, it, with the coach, is that you too? I mean, they weren't even sure. So I, I realized, okay, well, I earned some points there, you know, with creativity. And, uh, um, and, and then they made me an offer and, and based on my, you know, both, a lot of people know this too, that, uh, I have a, I come from a very, very, uh, strong, strong law enforcement family. Both of my parents were career law enforcement. My, my twin brother was, my two uncles were. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they got wind of that. And so they, they had pitched an idea to me about uh, doing a state trooper type gimmick. And, um, and it was interesting to me. It really was. But, um, but, you know, my dad had a legendary career in the state of Georgia as a state trooper and my mom did too. Uh, and, uh, and it was just one of those things where, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to get that personal. I didn't want to bring that much personal stuff into the wrestling business because in the wrestling business, hmm. you know, they, you know, they have the power to do whatever they want to do with whatever your gimmick is. And I really didn't feel, and that's nothing against WWE or anybody. It really isn't. It's just that to me, that was too, too close and personal to me to put into the wrestling business. And really at the end of the day, you know, I, I mainly turned them down because, um, because I just I did, I was tired of being on the road and it, first of all like I said it wasn't a great offer they were offering me anyway because they didn't have to offer any of us great deals at that point they were on all the cards I mean it was a respectable offer and I, and I really appreciated it because there was a lot of people they didn't talk to so I was really really thankful that I was one of the ones that they were talking to um, but at the end of the day uh, and I still could have it was a very good deal in the sense of compared to what you know uh, what any wrestlers were making certainly uh, and um, but it was. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, I was engaged at the time, uh, and I was looking to try to start that chapter of my life of you know maybe settling down a little bit, not traveling as much. And like I said, my childhood hero had asked me to become his right hand guy, and uh, and that was something that thrilled me beyond words. And and it was just seemed like a much better deal. Just the timing, you know, Dallas always has a great saying: give me talent, luck, or timing. Take timing every time, and that's what I, the timing to me didn't feel right. And uh, and I and I look back on it now, and people sometimes go, maybe 
turn down the opportunity to you would have had a career where you work for both companies at the end of it. Yeah, you know what? I would love to have done that. But also I look back at what people have to remember during that time, you know, there was there was a lot of uncertainty, you know, with one one major power company going under. And and you know, anybody that was that was being brought on board, you know, you weren't really sure what they were gonna try to do with you. And so I was, you know, because of the other things that seemed a little bit more certain to me, I went that way and, and I can honestly say I've never regretted. Sure, I would have loved to have had a great run in WWE or had any run at WWE, but I don't I don't regret it at all. I mean I I, I the decision I made to just you know, to work alongside Dusty for those those four years uh was life changing, you know. I mean and uh and, and just like I said, I tell you, I ask anybody, just think of who your childhood hero was and imagine putting yourself in my shoes. You know, I have my childhood hero who who's asking me to be his right hand guy. And I mean, that's just, that goes beyond words to how, how thrilled I was to be in that position. Uh, that's awesome. And, and yeah, here you are. You're like this, uh, you're, you're like a, one of the few legends that actually gets to mix it up here at AEW. You know, you were a part of that double or nothing casino battle Royal could have got an AEW world title shot. If you'd have pulled it off, Ray. Uh, <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. <laughs> what, what was, what was your experience like in that match? What was it like to work with all that young talent there? Well, I tell you what, you know, another thing I always say is, you know, do what you love and what you love will reward you. And I never, ever thought that at 55 years old, I would ever even enter the MGM Grand again, much less, you know, perform in front of a sold out crowd in the MGM Grand. And so um, I have, you know, AEW, but but especially Cody uh, to thank for that, because uh, he called me up and it, it wasn't even a question. He said, I need you in the battle royal. You got to be in the battle royal, aren't you? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, you got me, you know, and uh, so. So I do thank Cody sincerely from the bottom of my heart, I and mean, because he didn't have to do that. And but uh, what I what I realized was, you know, this is the businessman that 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 you know, and the way he thinks is, there were a lot of young wrestlers on that in that battle royal who had never ever set foot in front of a crowd more than maybe a few hundred people, yeah. and that was a very intimidating uh, scenario. So he put some you know guys like me, Billy Gunn, Tommy Dreamer, some veterans in there to kind of help keep things kind of calm out there, you know, to calm the water, so to speak. And uh, even though I wasn't out there that long, um, I think I, I did my part, and, uh, and and I was just thrilled to death to be be a part of it. And, uh, um, and 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 like I said, I mean, you know, it's AEW. I think their future is extremely bright. Um, you know, they got a huge challenge ahead of them. You know, we're doing weekly TV. Um, I mean, nobody knows that better than I, I was in the fire right in the middle of all that. You know, from live TV almost from the very beginning. So uh, I'm anxious to see, you know, how they, uh, how they approach this and are they, are they going to try to do things differently or, you know, kind of like use tried and true methods that were used in the past. So, um, and I'm hearing some different stuff. So uh, we'll, we'll, it remains to be seen, but I, I think that, uh, I think AEW is, um, they, they're getting ready to do some, some really, really exciting things. And it's just great for the professional wrestling industry as a whole. It's great for the fans. It's great for the wrestlers because like Tony Khan says, you know, he just wants to put great wrestling out there. He's not trying to put anybody else out of business or compete with anybody else. He just wants to give the fans more wrestling to watch. And that's what I think is so great about, you know, where the wrestling industry is going to be, you know, by the fall of this year with two, two powerhouse TV shows out there. That's so awesome, Ray. Well, I want to thank you so much again for the time here today. Again, Tall Tales, it goes down to the Jailhouse Brewing Company. I want to thank Tim Gonzalez for putting that together, helping to put us together here yeah. to talk today, Ray. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up uh, the interview? Yeah, you know, real quick, Nick, I just want to say, you know, the, like I mentioned earlier, being a former school teacher, I was a teacher for 14 years, the uh, the Project Lunchbox um, uh, charity that, that uh, the Tall Tales events go to uh, to benefit yeah. is just, it's, it's project, projectlunchbox.com, and, and it's, it's, it's to raise money so that children who are uh, in certain situations where maybe they don't eat a healthy meal on the weekends, uh, Project Lunchbox makes sure that they have uh, lunches and food to eat on the weekend so that they don't go hungry. So, And, and the money that's donated and, and raised within the Atlanta community here stays within the Atlanta community. So um, it's just a great charity to be a part of. I'm thrilled and honored that they asked me to, to be a part of it. And uh, I, I, and it's just, you know, being a teacher, like I said, I mean, no one likes to see it, wants to see a child go hungry. So this is a great charity where every bit of the, the proceeds go back into the community where it's raised to really help some, some kids who can really who need it and really can appreciate it. Thank you very much, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. Thank you very much to Mark Henry and to Glacier for taking the time to chat as well. Uh, huge week planned for the Winkley uh, going forward. Of course, we start off as a big news here. 
to start the week with NXT and AEW officially going head-to-head. We'll be back with more news tomorrow as I'm joined by Justin Labar, and i got two more interviews to roll out into your ear holes. We'll have MLW, the boss, the, pe- the, the El Presidente of MLW, Court Bauer, will be here on the show tomorrow, as well as the uh, lead trainer, trainer and owner of the Monster Factory, Danny Cage. Danny was also just recently a guest uh, trainer down at the WWE Performance Center. So uh, you guys are going to love both of these conversations tomorrow. Uh, Michael, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? You know, always plug, promote, whatever, 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 Instagram, all that jazz. Keep it short and sweet today. If you want to follow me, please do so. I am on Twitter, at The Real Wiseman. I'm hovering around 730 followers. Would love to bump that up to at least 735, right? I mean, let's make it a reasonable number here. So that's my plug, Nick. I am at Wink Rebel, W-I-N-C Rebel, over on Twitter. Give me a follow. I'll be back live tweeting SmackDown tonight. Thank you all very much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.